0: measure. My name's Katrina Mayer. And I'm Elle Kammerer. And today we are talking about
1: Emma, chapters 19 through 24. Yes. Some interesting things happen, but also... Does it? Does it?
0: Does it? I feel like this book is
1: slow. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I guess Frank Churchill finally comes, that's a thing.
1: Well, so essentially everything that happens in this section is... Somebody says something's going to happen, and then it happens. <laughs> like that's literally what this is, and I'll, I'll explain it here. I have our super duper short recap, and I it, it's boiled down to six six simple points. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, seven simple points. I misread it. <laughs> nice. Okay. So here we go. Emma and Harriet go to Missus Bates' house for a visit because they're bored. Miss Bates tells everybody that Jane Fairfax is coming. Yay! <laughs> And then she proceeds to tell Emma everything that is in the letter that Jane sent before threatening to read the letter verbatim, at which point Emma is like, uh, oh, yeah, no, thanks. Bye. And she leaves. Uh, Then Jane Fairfax arrives <laughs> and Emma is immediately reminded of how much she dislikes her. Then news comes that Mr. Elton, we remember him, is married or at least getting married. Uh, but then he does eventually get married. Then Harriet awkwardly runs into Mr. Martin and his sister.
0: Ooh.
1: And then Emma decides that Harriet should go visit them, and it's just weird and awkward. Aunt uh, Mister Elton eventually comes home with his wife. Harriet visits the Martins, like I said. Then Mister and Missus Weston say that Frank Churchill is finally coming to Highbury, and he does.
0: The end. Yay! (laughs) Yay! And that is really all that happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Really. And, like, there are some points that kind of, like, there are some points in this section that are fleshed out and really long for no reason at all whatsoever, other than, other than just being caricatures, like, it's to paint these characters in these weird caricatures. Um, And then there's other sections that are like explained and in, in detail and it's kind of fun because it feels like there's things happening mm-hmm. and I, I really do feel like that's the problem with this book is that like half the time these chapters are long and people are talking but nothing is actually happening yes but then also like obviously there's times where people are talking but they're talking about things that have happened so there's action there's movement
0: <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. well Let's go ahead and kind of dive into these chapters and um, take them, like, point by point. Maybe we can use your super duper re- quick recap as a way to help us guide.
1: Yeah. So we have Emma and Harriet who are bored because, like, Mr. Elton is in town, isn't in town. He's out in Bath. So there isn't anything to be awkward about. <laughs> There's no weird charades or anything like that. Um it's spring, so I guess there isn't a lot going on. I don't know, but they're just like Emma's, like oh, I should go see Mrs. Bates, uh who is the older of the mrs Bates.
0: Yeah, so she's there's like, I Mrs. Seen them Bates and Miss Bates. Miss yes. Bates has never been married; she's a spinster who takes care of her mother. Yes. yes, yes.
1: So Emma's like, I'm gonna go see Mrs. Bates and Miss Bates. Now, if you remember correctly, we've had a little bit of interaction with Miss Fates before and she just keeps talking. She, she will not shut up. She oh really my will. god.
0: <laughs> and we really like experience that in these chapters. Like we get a taste of it. Like we know because Emma has talked about it. She's alluded to the fact that she talks a lot. But this I feel like this is the first time where we as readers really see that. Not only do we really see it, we feel it deep in our souls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so- it's like
1: do it just it penetrates your chest and sits there (laughs) she just won't stop
0: yes so they go there and emma is like because it's a small town and everybody knows everything emma's like i know that jane fairfax will not have written a letter to them because i know when jane fairfax sends her letters like Because I know everything, because I'm Emma. And also Miss Bates has probably talked about it over and over and over and over again.
1: (laughs) And apparently Jane is like, oh, it's Monday. I need to write a letter and mail it by Wednesday. Like,
0: what the fuck? (laughs) So she's like, there's no danger of a letter. I won't have to hear about my frenemy, Jane Fairfax. Mm -hmm. And they get there. And what happens? Oh, surprise, there's a letter from Jane. We were just saying how Jane usually writes on this day and not this day and like, it was a little late. But then we got this one here. And it's like, oh my goodness, we were so unexpected. It was so unexpected. Here's why we got the letter. I'll just read it to you. But let me explain to you for two pages about what's in the letter and then I'm gonna read to you. But oh, hold on, let me explain for two more pages about something else. Okay, hold on, you'll see as I read the letter, but then I'm also gonna explain it to you. Like that is all that is this whole chapter.
1: Yeah. Um, also, she then recounts to Emma Jane Fairfax's entire backstory. Or at least let me put it this way, because in all honesty, I don't know if it was actually Mrs. Bates telling us Jane Fairfax's backstory or if it was Jane Austen. It was I don't Jane really Austin. know. Because in all honesty, it all blurred together. It all blurred together.
0: So (laughs) what happens first? Let's go in order to break it down. They get there. She's sharing about the letters. She doesn't necessarily share the content first. She talks about the schedule of how she sends her letters. And she Mm -hmm. talks about how she writes her letters. Which, Which, Jane writes them in a very special way.
1: She does, actually. It's quite interesting. Um, So if you... If you're familiar with period films and you see how people open their letters, it's usually just one sheet or multiple sheets of paper kind of folded in on itself with like a wax seal. So essentially, you're not able to write on the backside of a piece of paper. So your letters had to be either like one whole page or you had to, you know, get more paper, which I don't know necessarily how like... If paper was readily available for everybody. So I don't know if this was a resource you wanted to waste. But some people who did not feel the need to write multiple pages. Let's say you just had a page and a half to write. You would write your full page. Take your, take your sheet of paper. Turn it 90 degrees. And then continue writing within the lines between the sentences that you previously wrote. So you are like writing in this way that it's just, it just looks like a bunch of word like a bunch of letters on a piece of paper I would imagine it would kind of look a little bit like um like a word find
0: yes oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. we should write each other letters this way and share them on Instagram oh my gosh I don't I
1: don't know if I would actually be able to do it because also if you think about it if you take the paper and then you turn it you would have to write kind of not only between the lines but between the letters and if you're writing in cursive how does that work (laughs) i have no idea i don't either but yeah so emma specifically comments on jane's handwriting when she actually sees the actual letter um and then mrs or miss bates goes on to talk about how jane has such wonderful handwriting because she's able to write one page and then turn and write another half page within the context of her first page and it's just i've seen pictures of this because sometimes people will just continue to turn the page yeah and it's just like mind-blowing
0: <laughs> yeah but anyway apparently jane fairfax is very skilled at this among many other things mm-hmm. she is a very skilled lady she is the quintessential accomplished woman i guess is the vibe we get
1: Yes, yes. So if you were to have a a definition of an accomplished woman, according to Emma and according to Miss Bates, obviously, Jane falls into that category. So Darcy, beware, we have found an accomplished lady. (laughs) (laughs) So, but... That that's actually one of the things that bothers Emma the most is because not only does she know that Jane is very accomplished, but people also like to talk about it a lot. And I kind of feel like Emma's like, stop rubbing it in my face, guys. But also like, I'm always thinking about it too. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird dynamic. Um, it is. Yeah. But then after that, um, Miss Bates explains the contents of the letter, and she's explaining that Jane is going to be coming to stay with them in essentially like a couple weeks. Like she's gonna be there really super mm-hmm. soon soon. Yeah. And the reason for her stay, it is believed, is that Jane is feeling unwell and being at home in her native air will help her. However, there are some other potential reasons in the background and this is more given when we get to that chapter that kind of gives her backstory which I think it was more Austin giving us background information about Jane Fairfax
1: as soon as I said that I was like no that was probably narrative and not actually Mrs. Bates but because we had just heard Mrs. Bates literally talk for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours or at least it felt like it uh my brain didn't turn it off it was still Mrs. Bates voice yes or Miss Bates I'm gonna call her Mrs. Bates it's just gonna happen get over it uh (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about Miss Bates if you hear the word Bates (laughs)
0: Miss Bates Mrs. Bates is the grandmama her daughter is Miss Bates the unmarried and Miss Bates her married name Fairfax and she married a lieutenant Lieutenant Fairfax and they had Jane Fairfax but here's what happened Lieutenant Fairfax died. He was abroad like doing in war, doing like colonial supposedly. S- colonialism essentially. He was colonizing. Yes. yes. Um so he died and that left Mrs. Fairfax heartbroken and she died leaving Jane Fairfax.
1: So just to clarify, she died of consumption, which is not dying of alcoholism. It's dying right. of tuberculosis. Yes. Yeah, I feel like we said something somewhere else, or I've had this conversation before where people are like, no, consumption is dying of alcoholism. I'm like, no, it's tuberculosis. Yes. But
0: also, her grief is a part of that as well.
1: Right. I just wanted to clarify that dying of consumption is dying of tuberculosis.
0: Yes,
1: yes. (laughs) For whomever or wherever I've had that argument, just throwing it out there. (laughs) Yes.
0: And for everybody to know, because it's... yes. It's gonna come it's up weird. again, guys. It's yeah. gonna come up again. We're reading a lot of Austin. We're gonna hear consumption. We're gonna hear people succumbing to the consumption again.
1: Yes, well, and also it it is kind of one of those misnomers a little bit because like people at, of the time did drink themselves to death, and you would consider that possibly dying of consumption, quote unquote, because you consumed too much. Whereas dying of consumption is actually dying of tuberculosis. So I can see why there's a little bit of confusion. This is just Elle clarifying any confusion. Yes. Continue, Katrina. So (laughs) now
0: little Jane Fairfax is an orphan. And she's raised by her grandmama, Mrs. Bates, and her spinster aunt, Miss Bates, for a bit. But then this guy, Colonel Campbell, comes along. Who is that? Well... Colonel Campbell and Lieutenant Fairfax were buddies in the military and basically Colonel Campbell is like, Lieutenant Fairfax saved my life. I was like sick or injured. I don't remember the exact detail. I don't even think he really knows, but (laughs) (laughs) he was either sick or injured on the verge of death and Fairfax essentially helped him. And so he felt like he owed him his life, but Lieutenant Fairfax is dead, so the next best thing he can do to repay him is to take in his daughter, essentially as a ward and friend and playmate Mm -hmm. for their daughter, who is the Mm -hmm. same age, and they're wealthy, they can do that, and the aunt and the grandmama are like, yeah, of course. Oh. Here you go. I don't know you, Colonel Campbell, but sure. Well,
1: the thing is, though, is that you also have to take into consideration the fact that mrs Bates, the older woman Mm -hmm. uh she was a vicar's wife yes and her husband passed away and mr elton came to town now this was probably you know after all of this happened with jane but even as a vicar's wife like she doesn't have that luxurious of a lifestyle especially compared to mr campbell so it's it would have made complete sense for her to be like no take her you could, if you're willing to take her in as a ward and a playmate you can give her a much better life you can give her an education you can do all of these things that i might not necessarily be able to do despite the fact that she's my granddaughter exactly and that actually is very very good for jane because yes. eventually yes mr bates dies and mrs bates and her daughter miss bates no longer really have an income because when you're the vicar's wife, you have an income, but when the vicar dies,
0: you're screwed. Yep. You rely so. on the kindness of others, essentially. Yes. Which yeah. the Bates
1: do, and people are very kind to them. Yep. But Jane is very lucky to have been given this, this separate life.
0: She is. And so what they do is when Jane goes to live with the Campbells, like you said, they do give her an education. They're mm-hmm. trying to kind of prepare her for the real world in that probably there won't be much opportunity for her. So Mm -hmm. she is going to essentially have to be like a working woman. And so they train her up to be a teacher. However, there is sometimes like this idea like, oh, Jane, if only we could bestow money unto you. But we can't because you're not technically our daughter. And like our money needs to go to our real daughter. But, Mm -hmm. oh, if only we could, but... We can't. So you're going to be a teacher. And they get to the point where like, okay, she's 18. It's time for her to go out and earn her living. And they're like, wait, wait, you know what, Jane? Maybe you're a little too young and we don't want to get rid of you just yet. So why don't you stay here and like come out into society with us and get a taste of all this wonderful things that in a few years you won't have access to. It's like, it's nice, but it's also kind of cruel. Well, and I
1: think it also comes from the fact that their daughter gets married. So it's kind of like she's off in Ireland with her husband, Mr. Dixon. So they're like, no, Jane, we don't want to get rid of you just yet because we just, quote unquote, lost our daughter to marriage. So like you stay and we'll keep doting on you. Um, But also remember, you're not our daughter. But you know what? You're turning 21. So that you know what? You can you can start to prepare again to go and be a governess. So but we're still going to keep you close for a little while. And I do sometimes wonder if a little bit of that isn't them waiting for their daughter to have kids so then Jane can just be their governess. Maybe. I mean, that would make sense. I'm not going to lie. If I was Mrs. Campbell and I loved Jane and my daughter and my daughter got married and Jane was like, oh, I'm going to go be a governess, I might be like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you wait a few years, I can give you a job.
0: <laughs> this is possible. Um, But it could be potentially problematic. And we'll get more into that later. Um, Mm. Well, that's, yes, there is a
1: little bit of a thing there that, yeah, that will come up. But I'm just thinking through maybe Mrs. Campbell's point of view, who possibly doesn't realize what this other problematic thing was. Right, right. But, yeah. Yeah. So.
0: So, yeah, so exactly. So the Campbell's daughter... You know, in Ireland with her husband, Mr. Dixon, who is very, very rich and Mm -hmm. it's great. And Jane Fairfax was going to go, but then she decided to come home. And part of that was like, oh, she's sick. She needs the air of her home. But another reason is like, you know what, maybe it's time to let her go and let her meet the real world rather than come with us. So there's like kind of two things at play here.
1: Yes, so Jane does not go to Ireland with the Campbells. She comes home because she's, quote unquote, sick,
0: which Miss
1: Bates occasionally talks about. She's like, oh, she doesn't really eat that much at breakfast or, oh, look how thin she is and stuff like that. And Emma's just like, I don't I don't see it. She looks perfectly fine and healthy and glowing to me. So I don't I don't think she's sick. Um, But the other reason is. Obviously, that she should be spending some time with her family before she goes out and becomes a governess. So. Yeah. But Emma is like, I don't think that's the reason she's here.
0: Yeah. So Emma has her own ideas and her ideas kind of come out later when she is talking to our other new arrival, which is Mr. Frank Churchill.
1: Right. Well, we get a little bit of Emma talking about this, like she's talking in the like she's talking to herself about it. But I just want to say that at the beginning of this book, Emma is very much like the, the you know the little matchmaker. She's going to do this. She's going to do that. She's going to like influence people and like get her hands dirty and stuff like that. Whereas like now that we're in volume two of the book, which I know all of the editions of Emma don't necessarily like break the book out into different volumes, but we have since moved from volume one to volume two. And that means that we have new characters and new storylines within this overall story. So that's why we have Jane finally showing up and eventually Frank Churchill coming in because while they were talked about in volume one, the story within volume one wasn't about them. Now it I'm assuming it will be. But anyway, in this volume, Emma seems to have gone from influencer matchmaker to gossiper almost. Well, she doesn't necessarily spread a lot of gossip. We see her talking about this all the time. And she's kind of like trying to suss out the situation about whether or not people are being uh, inappropriate or having like inappropriate relations or possibly... Liking other people, and it's not just Emma that kind of has this in this volume. There's other people too who start to talk about different things in this same way throughout this volume so far, and it's I'm just finding it really interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So after um they go and they pay the call on the Bateses. Um, the next section is kind of about how Harriet goes to visit the Martins.
1: Yes. So the next big chunk that happens in these chapters starts with a conversation between Mr. Woodhouse and Miss Bates about pork that is probably the most ridiculous conversation you have ever seen in a book and seriously it made me want to like scream. But Emma, Mr. Woodhouse and Mr. Knightley are all at Hartfield and they're all chatting and <sighs> Emma being the nice generous person she is has decided to send some pork to the Bateses because again they're not living the you know The most lavish life they are poor, but she's like, you know what? I'm gonna help them out because we have this pork. And that starts Mr. Woodhouse on a tangent about pork that I won't get into. But Mr. Knightley leans over to Emma, is like, oh, hey, Emma, I have some news and I think you're gonna like it. And he's being all like coy and all like, haha, I know how much you like gossip, blah, blah, blah. And Emma's like, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And just as soon as Mr. Knightley opens his mouth to say what his news is, He gets cock-blocked by Miss Bates, who runs into the room and is like, Mr. Elton is getting married! And Emma's just like, what? And Mr. Knightley's like, boo, that was my news. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And then Mrs. Bates goes on and on and on forever, talking about how she heard from Mrs. Cole about Mr., uh, Mr. Elton getting engaged to a woman in Bath. All of this... She's talking about all of this while also talking about Jane and talking about the pork. And it's all ridiculous. But the point of the matter is, while in Bath, Mr. Elton met a woman who he has since apparently fallen madly in love with. And he is going to get married.
0: Yes. In four weeks. Yes, in four (laughs) weeks he's going to get married. Oh no, in four weeks he fell in love with this woman. Yes,
1: yes. In four weeks he fell in love with this woman and is going to get married. Because... Yeah, apparently he really wasn't that in love with Emma, which she kind of flat out says is like, oh, well, apparently I didn't hurt him that much with my rejection, which is just like, yeah, duh, obviously. (laughs) He wasn't in it for your, you know, for you, Emma. He was very, very clearly in it because he wanted to climb a ladder. Mm -hmm. So after this long conversation about Mr. Elton getting married and when he's supposed to be coming back with his wife, after all of that happens, Mr. Knightley, Miss Bates and Jane Fairfax all leave. And emma's like oh shit harriet is supposed to be coming here and she's gonna run into them and miss bates is gonna tell her about mr elton and her heart is gonna be broken and crazy shit's gonna happen oh my gosh And then it starts raining <laughs> And after it's done raining, Harriet finally shows up and Harriet's like, "Oh my god, Emma, I have to tell you this crazy thing that happened to me." And Emma's like, "Oh shit, she ran into Mrs. or she ran into Miss Bates." She knows I have to console her. And then Harriet's like, "I ran into my ex." I mean, I ran into Mr. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was Harriet got caught in the rain and she ran into the haberdashery shop, which Um, That's where they buy, like, silks and fabric and hats and stuff like that. The Fords. Mr. Fords, Fords. I think is what it's called. So she's standing there waiting for the rain to stop so that she can continue on her way to Hartfield. And who walks in? But Mr. Robert Martin and his sister, Elizabeth. And she's telling Emma, oh, well, I think Elizabeth saw me, but he was too busy with the umbrella and she looked but then she wouldn't say anything to me and then after a little while he noticed me and then they were talking and I think he was trying to convince her to come talk to me and then eventually she did and she was nice but it kind of was awkward and then he said something and then when the rain stopped I left but he ran out after me and was like oh hey 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 wait a second Harriet wait and I kind of freaked out a little bit and then he's like oh well that road's flooded so you should probably walk around the building and she's like oh okay thanks and then then I ran here and I don't know I just it was awkward and weird and emma's like oh (laughs) okay well mr elton is getting married (laughs) (laughs) to which harriet's like oh okay and then time moves forward and mr elton shows up with his wife and it turns out that his wife doesn't have a, a, a very good name she has a little bit of money.
0: She has quite a bit of money.
1: I'm trying to remember if it was ten thousand or three thousand. I believe it's ten
0: thousand pounds. I think.
1: I think yeah. Mrs.
0: Dixon, Miss Campbell, Mrs. Dixon is the one that's three.
1: She has either three thousand or ten thousand um, pounds. Katrina's going to look it up, but she doesn't have like a like an important name. Her family isn't really anybody. Uh, she's from Bristol. And her father was a merchant. But her father and her mother passed away. And she was raised by her uncle, who is quote unquote in the field of law. But like, he doesn't do anything that's worthy enough to be like given a title. So he's definitely not a lawyer. So, needless to say, to Emma, it kind of seems like this woman is not that much different than Harriet in that harriet doesn't have a name harriet doesn't really come from like a like a well-off family and stuff like that so emma's just like okay so you're gonna marry this woman but harriet wasn't good enough for you what the hell mr elton and it really is kind of a dick move because not only did he quote-unquote fall in love with this woman in four weeks after he professed his undying love to emma while also completely insulting harriet By saying that he doesn't give a shit about whether or not she lives or dies. Yes! And then he goes off and marries this woman who isn't that much different than Harriet, in all honesty. And it's... Yeah. But then I think she shows up and Emma's like, oh, I guess she's pretty. And she's kind of nice. So, whatever. I'll deal with it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, we don't really get to meet her too, too much. Just, Mm -mm. like, that little bit.
1: Yeah, they're just introduced. So. But, to keep Harriet occupied... About the fact that her crush is now married to this random woman. Emma's like, oh, so that awkward kind of interaction you had with Mr. Martin. I feel like you should maybe go and visit the Martins.
0: Yes. And Emma is also very careful about how she could do it. She sets up all the parameters where she's like, you should go, but also... Uh, you shouldn't stay too long because I'm Emma. And in my brain, I'm like, I don't want you to accidentally fall back in love with him. I don't want him to fall back in love with you. I don't want any kind of feelings rekindled. So she devises that they should go and stay a quarter of an hour, which is essentially 15 minutes, which is basically like not visiting them At all. Because Mm -hmm. if you remember, Harriet stayed with them for a period of six weeks. And now she's coming to repay that visit months after it has happened. It is already past Christmas and into spring, right? The last time they really Mm -hmm. talked was essentially her letter rejecting Mr. Martin.
1: Which was before Christmas. Before
0: Christmas. (laughs) And now it's spring and she's just getting around to repaying this visit. And at the very least, she should stay for a morning, at least or or an afternoon, at least for a meal or mm-hmm. tea. But mm-hmm. they don't. They stay for 15 yeah. minutes. It is like the biggest snub you could ever yeah. do.
1: Like we were I remember when we were talking about Pride and Prejudice when caroline visits jane at her aunt and uncle's house and it was a big insult because caroline only stayed for like 10 minutes when you're supposed to stay for at least 30 like that is the minimum requirement unless there is something very important happening or i guess if you're miss bates and you get bored out of your mind but that's not the point so emma drops harriet off and is like okay i'll be back in 15 minutes And then Emma just kind of rides around in the carriage and then comes back 15 minutes later and is like, oh, hey, let's go. Time to go. Let's go.
0: Yeah. And Emma knows. She knows. She's like, yes, I know. Leaving Harriet here for only 15 minutes is a terrible price to pay for the kindness that they have shown unto her. But it's better than her falling in love with him. So, yes.
1: Well, and then it turns out that... Robert Martin isn't even there. Yeah. Harriet just spends time with the mother and the two sisters. Yeah. And at first, it's awkward as fuck, mm-hmm. like you would imagine, because it's like, oh, hey, I totally rejected your brother marriage proposal after spending so much time here and clearly showing that not only do I like him as a person, but I also really enjoy spending time with all of you. But, you know, I'm still going to reject him. And now I'm going to stay here and be awkward. And she readily admits that it's like... 10 minutes of really awkwardness and then the last 5 minutes of them being there they start to kind of get that away cuz they start to remember the fun that they had that summer they see uh the markings on the wall where um Mrs. Martin had like measured all the girls or I think it was actually Mr. Martin who like wrote the like put the little lines on there and stuff and they start reminiscing and everything starts to feel a little bit better and then all of a sudden Emma shows up and Harriet's got to go and she actually kind of regrets that. She's like, oh, we had just started getting it back to like back to normal, back to good. And then I had to leave and it was weird. Now it's going to be awkward again. And yeah, Emma doesn't really care. She's just like, okay, that's done. Moving on.
0: Yeah. Next thing. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very frustrating. And it's, it has to be frustrating for the Martins as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And Emma is so very much like, okay, next thing, let's move on is like, To the point where she's just like, let's go to the Westons. Yeah. Because I like them. She's like,
0: oh, (laughs) this thing right here with you and the Martins doesn't concern me. I'm bored. Let's go. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So they go to the Westons and turns out the Westons are actually at Hartfield. And Emma's like, oh, no, we're going to miss them. so sad. And then poof, they show up as they're leaving. And they have this really weird like driveway conversation. (laughs) So it's like. One ca- uh, one set of people coming in, one set of people leaving. Let's talk with our windows down really quick, talk about the next time we're going to be, and then move on. <laughs> yes.
0: But a very important piece of information is shared yes. in that driveway conversation, and that is that Frank Churchill will be here on the morrow. He will be here at four, but actually I know Frank and he'll be here at three because he's a lot like me and we tend to get places early, but be sure he will be here by three or four mm-hmm. tomorrow. And they're like, okay, if you say
1: so. Mrs. Weston is like, Emma, think of me tomorrow at four. And then the next day, Emma is like constantly like, oh, I'm thinking of Miss Weston. And don't worry, I'll think about you at four. At noon, she's like, oh, I'm thinking about Miss Weston. Don't worry, I'll think about you four hours from now. And then she walks into the drawing room and who is sitting there but... Frank Churchill! And Mr. Weston. Yes.
0: He came... a day early. He came the evening before. So even earlier than had expected. So he puts off this trip. He like says he's going to come, doesn't come. Says he's going to come, doesn't come. Says he's going to come, doesn't come. Says he's going to come come and shows up early.
1: Which is like the worst guest ever. I see
0: you, Frank (laughs) Churchill. I see you. (laughs) Yeah. Like if somebody were to do that to me,
1: I'd be like, bitch, I haven't swept my floors. Why the fuck are you here? Go away until tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... But yeah, so Emma comes down, Mr. Weston and Frank are talking to her father, so Emma gets this introduction with Frank, and she flat out says, like, right off the bat, that this guy knows exactly what to say to sound pleasant to whomever he's talking to. Mm-hmm. So, that, to me, feels real shady. Yeah. So, like, I'm not quite certain how I feel about this Frank Churchill
0: dude. Yeah. Um. But everybody then- else seems to like him.
1: Well, because he doesn't, he always says the right thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So they have a little conversation there. And then the next day, he and Emma go for a walk,
0: I think. Mm
1: -hmm. Or like they're at the West Ends or something. There's, there's more interaction between them.
0: They're going around um, Highbury because they pass, they pass this building that was built essentially to be a ballroom And Mm -hmm. now men use it as a club for, like, playing cards and, like, drinking or whatever. Like, they meet once a week there. Mm -hmm. Um, And Frank Churchill is like, what? You have this space for balls and you don't have any balls? We should have a ball. And they're like, well, we can't because there's really only four respectable families. And really that fourth family isn't all that respectable. So actually there's only three respectable families and that, you know, we'll just go to each other's houses. We don't need a big space to have a ball. And he's like, Oh no, you should have a big one with everyone. And they're like, well, no, because these people are not, they can't mix with us. You know, that Mm -hmm. we have to keep everything separate. And he's like, Oh no, Oh, you just have a ball and then the next day everybody will go back to their places and everything and is fine. And they're like, that's not how things are done. What century do you live in?
1: Well, so that's the thing, though, is that like that is kind of what Frank is used to. Yeah. Because he is used to, you know, being in London where there's more people of the same, you know, society and everything like that. He's used to balls. Yeah. And he's used to all of this fun things. Um, and actually, this, this brings me to a point. I was talking with somebody who we were talking about Mr. Woodhouse and how he's always complaining about food and like, oh, don't eat cake or, oh, don't eat this pork or don't eat that. It's unwholesome. It's unwholesome. And it's like, dude, you're rich. You have the ability to not only have all of this amazing food, but you have the money to go to a doctor to keep yourself healthy. So like, you're like the worst, like you're the worst at being rich. Like you're the worst rich person because you don't know how to be rich. Like if you're going to be rich, just fucking do it. And I'm like, Frank. Churchill kind of calls Emma out on that at the same time, because he's like, you're not having a ball? Like, you guys are terrible at being rich. What are you doing? Like, like, why are you not doing these things? It's like, Emma, that is is your job.
0: Your job is to get this together. You should at least have one once a season, or at the very least, like, one in the fall and one in the spring, like, something.
1: Yeah, so he's basically calling them out as being like, you guys are, like, terrible at being rich in high society. So, yeah, I thought that that was kind of funny. <laughs> but while they're walking, Frank tells Emma or it comes about in conversation that he knows Jane Fairfax yeah. from his time in London.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think it's he's, Emma he's who met- brings it up because she's like, yeah. oh, you were in Weymouth. You've yes, that's it. You've been around the Campbells and then also you would know Jane Fairfax.
1: Yes, because apparently the Churchills and the Campbells know each other and they're in the same uh, social circles quite regularly. So Emma, being the new gossip that she is, is like poking and prodding about this whole idea about whether or not the real reason Jane is in Highbury is because of her health.
0: Right, because it's like, you know, I've known Jane all these years and it's impossible to get information out of her. She's such a little goody-goody and she just, she never like, talks about anything what do you know about jane fairfax mr churchill what what were your impressions of her
1: well and i will say this we meet jane for the first time in these chapters and seriously she barely talks
0: yeah she barely talks
1: and but- it's probably because she can't get a fucking word <laughs> Ms. in Ms. Bates, she but can't. yeah <laughs> but she really is quiet and actually when there was that whole pork conversation that i don't want to go back to Miss Bates does say something to Jane and Jane is like, huh, what? I wasn't paying attention.
0: (laughs) Because you literally (laughs) talk all the time. But yeah. So the idea Yeah.
1: The idea of getting information out of Jane Fairfax is just like impossible anyway because she doesn't talk.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So yeah.
1: yeah. But anyway, so Emma's just like, Frank, tell me what you know.
0: I wanna know things. Like she's you know, she's really good friends with Mrs. Dixon and oh yeah, she just got married. And didn't I I heard something about how You know, Mr. Dixon really likes it when Jane Fairfax plays and he's he's like agreeing with her, you know, because he says Mm -hmm. he always agrees with whoever he's talking to. So he's like, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, but he's not giving too much away. He's like being Mm -hmm. very careful about what he is saying.
1: Yes. Which Emma comments on again, like to herself. She's like, yep, he does know how to say exactly what he needs to say. But yeah, she hints like, oh, well, Mr. Dixon likes Jane's playing better than his wives. And when they're in the same room together, like he asks Jane to play and she's she's really hinting that there's this Jane, Mr. Dixon relationship that may or may not actually be there. And it's like, is that the reason why she isn't going to Ireland? Because it would be awkward for her to then go and stay at Mr. Dixon's house. So the Campbells were like, "Mm, we don't really want to put you guys in the same place again. So Jane, go home. And Emma's got this, like, she cooked this whole thing up in her head. Yeah. We don't really know where it came from. It's just like, oh, yep. It's a thought and I'm right. And now I just got to get the information from either Jane or Frank. Frank. And even when she's presented with other information, she doesn't see it. Like, she just keeps going because this is right. It's yeah. Jane and Mr. Dixon have a relationship. It's secret. The end.
0: Yeah. Because even Frank makes a point. And it's like, well, you know, they're they're just all really close. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know any particulars, but they just seem like all good friends. And like mm-hmm. trying to leave it at that. And she's like well, yeah, but don't you think it's weird that this guy would prefer his friend, his friend to play an instrument over his wife? And like, how would you feel if you were the wife and like you saw your husband preferring another woman? I think that's worse when it's your friend, he prefers your friend as opposed to preferring a stranger. And he's like, well, I don't know that Mrs. Dixon would have even noticed that, like trying to downplay it. And she's like, well, then then poor Mrs. Dixon, because she's either stupid or she doesn't want to see it, is essentially what Emma says.
1: Well, funny story. So I've been looking through the Jane Austen handbook, which you guys might notice I've posted some things on our Instagram. But one of the things it says about uh, becoming a proficient musician is that it says, quote, Many women give up music entirely once they are married, but fortunately, the gentlemen never seem to catch on. That, to me, indicates that Mrs. Dixon is now married, so she's probably like, whew, thank God, I don't have to play anymore. I am not a single lady who like, has to sit here and impress people, whereas Jane still is. So the idea of Jane being the one that plays all the time isn't really that awkward, because not only is she really good at it, but she's a single woman in this in this whole like social circle so it would make sense that she would be the one playing because uh mrs dixon would be a, one of the people who has to keep continuing conversation with others this is also shown earlier when jane first arrives and uh the bates mr knightley and uh the woodhouses are all having dinner together and emma and jane are both expected to play they are both the single women like they're not asking mrs bates to play they wouldn't ask Miss Weston to play because they're married women. So it's not that weird that Jane would be playing over Mrs. Dixon. <laughs>
0: right. Well, remember, yeah. Miss Bates is not married. Mrs. Weston's married, but Miss Bates is an old spinster right. who wouldn't That's be I, able, yeah. wouldn't be playing anyway.
1: Right. She's not a young single woman. Right. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're not like, it's one of the ways that like they had to impress people to get a husband kind of situation. So again, it makes sense that Jane would be playing. Again, also Jane is very good at it, which- like pisses Emma off because Emma's like I want to be really good at this and I know I'm okay at this but Jane is really really good at this wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah because at one ha- at one point in these chapters Emma's like oh well Jane has been gone for like two years and I haven't seen her I should probably you know like reevaluate my feelings about her and just kind of like give her the benefit of the doubt and everything like that and then she gets here and they have that dinner which is briefly mentioned in the book and uh, she shows Emma up in playing the pianoforte, and emma is once again back on the i hate jane <laughs> train because she's better at everything than i am and everybody likes what she does so yeah but yeah so i think that's it
0: for these chapters i think that's it yeah so much again, nothing happened
1: <laughs> i mean i'm telling you right now that pork conversation was like a whole freaking chapter yeah it's insane. And the conversation with Miss Bates at the beginning is also freaking insanely long. So, like, while we read, what, like, five chapters, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, we read six chapters, about 40 to 50 pages. Like, this is all that happened. <laughs> <This is laughs> like all that happened. Barely any actual action happened, and that's that's something that keeps happening in this book is that we have all of these long conversations where nothing happens, but then we have very, very little actual action and actual movement of the characters mm-hmm.
0: so yeah so here's my question to kind of wrap this all up. Do we like Frank Churchill? Do we not like Frank Churchill? What do we think about Frank Churchill?
1: I am very suspicious of Frank Churchill because so we we know from other Austen novels that there's usually a villain like we have Wickham we have Willoughby and I'm pretty sure there's supposed to be a villain in Emma and like on one hand I want it to be Mr. Elton because he was being such a douche. That's just at the beginning of the book. So I don't know. And the only other character we've been introduced to is Frank Churchill. So unless somebody else is being introduced later, which is a possibility, there is a whole third volume of this book. I'm kind of suspicious that it might be Frank or that he might be doing something dastardly behind the scenes that we're not seeing. I don't really know. But I'm sitting here trying to figure out who the villain is. So I don't know. That's why I'm suspicious, because Mr. Elton is very villainous, I guess, but he's not quite a Wickham, and he sure as shit isn't a Willoughby, so I don't know. But I don't know. There's no reason for me to distrust Frank Churchill right now, other than what Emma said about him being pleasing to everybody, and the fact that I, on the outside, with all of this other knowledge, knows that we need to have a villain in this book, and we haven't met him yet.
0: yeah. I don't know. I want to like Frank Churchill, but I just don't know. And I don't know that this book is going to have like a Willoughby-esque or a Wickham-esque villain. Because this book is already so different from Pride and Prejudice. Like there isn't as much Mm -hmm. action. Everything pretty much takes place in this little, this sleepy little village. Mm -hmm. Which is
1: the point. Which is the point. Yeah, that's the whole point of this novel is that this is Jane Austen's caricature of life at the time. So that's why we have all of these weird uh, characters like Miss Bates and like Mr. Woodhouse because they're supposed to be these like exaggerated versions of people of the
0: time. I don't even think that they're that exaggerated. I think it's very realistic.
1: I mean exaggerated, kind of along the same lines as, like, characters in The Office are supposed to be versions of people you know in an office, you know?
0: I don't know. All of the people in this novel act like actual members of my family. Not exaggerated (laughs) at all. They act like real people in my family. So much so that it's very hard to read this book. (laughs) (laughs) Because... Cause I keep yeah. like tuning things out, so <laughs>
1: you're just automatically attuned I'm, to yeah. tune this stuff out. I, it's just like really oh, am. someone's talking about pork. Click.
0: Yeah, <laughs> basically. Um. So I don't know. It just feels so real, and like in real life, people do things that are questionable, but like you wouldn't necessarily call them a villain. Like if somebody like kind of screws you over a little bit, they wouldn't be like a villain. They would just they weren't, like, yeah. making a plan intricate to, like, foil <laughs> whatever you were trying to do. You know, it just, it would be something yeah. that happens and you'd be caught in the crossfire. Fire. And I kind of feel like that's what's going on here. Like, yeah, Frank Churchill is definitely a loose cannon, for sure. He's going to come in and he's going to, like, shake things up in Highbury, I think. Because mm-hmm. these guys are very traditional here. Like, mm-hmm. they... It's to the point where it's like, this is like Downton Abbey style. Like, no, 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 you can't mix with that person and you can't mix with these families and we are... We're just
1: this saying something because that's a hundred years later. Because that's even a hundred
0: years later. And they were actually <laughs> yeah. pretty strict in some cases and in other cases they weren't. But, you know, it was a soap opera, so whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, not a soap opera, but essentially.
1: It, yeah, it was.
0: But with Emma, it's just like, where they are in Highbury, it's very different from where the Bennetts lived in their shire, right? There was a little mm-hmm. bit more ability to kind of cross class lines that were close together. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like in Highbury, those class lines that are, even though they're close together, you're still not supposed to cross them. Yeah. And so I think Frank's going to shake that up.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if that isn't because it really is just like the Knightley's at the top, then the Woodhouses, and then the next step down is the Westons, and that's like it. Everybody that's really else it. is, everybody else under that level is like all at the same level. They're not The only people Right, the only people. Well, technically, the Woodhouses aren't landed gentry either because they don't own the land. Yeah, but that's yeah, not the point. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, the only people who kind of fluctuate within all of those social circles are the Bates because, um, they they were the Vicar family, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're, uh, yeah. So they were, because of their profession, they regularly, um, spoke with people of higher society. And of, now they have to regularly work with people of the lower society because that's where their money is right now. They're, technically financially lower society however they still have all of the connections they have from when Mm -hmm. um the husband was the vicar and the other person is the current vicar right (laughs) who is also fluctuating who we can also see right now is very much trying to climb the social ladder Mm -hmm. through marriage which is why he was hitting on emma and now he's married to this other woman right so those are the only people who can really like mingle and move around but the thing with Frank is that I don't know if it's necessarily that he's less traditional or if he's just used to a society that has more people of various classes. Because I I wonder if he's not used to a society where there's more more families that fall under that same category as the Westons who interact with each other and then interact with the people above them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because right now there's literally just the like... I think overall there's, like, what, four families? Because I think the Coles fit in there, too.
0: They kind of fit but in we there. We'll talk yeah. about them at some point. Yeah, we
1: don't really have that much with them. But so I think he's just used to having more around him. Yeah. And here it's just, it's so small that it's just, that that isn't there. But he is still going to come in and shake, shake shit up.
0: Yeah. So. So yeah. I think, I think, like, that's what, I don't think he's, like, a villain villain, but he's going to, like, kind of ruffle some yeah. feathers. Yeah. Right. And I do think, like,
1: what you were saying about how, like, real life doesn't have the villains in the same way that, like, Willoughby and Wickham are villains, which is why I'm like, I think it's supposed to kind of be Elton. I think we're supposed to see Elton as the bad guy because of how he treated Emma. Yeah. And while he wasn't, like, Wickham or Willoughby, what he did do was still really douchey. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he said, I don't care if Harriet lives or dies except for the fact that she's your friend is a really douchey thing to say, especially when you're a freaking priest.
0: Yeah. And.
1: Or, well, he's not a priest, but whatever.
0: And that he tells Emma that he loves her do anything for her when she rejects him he's basically like okay well then I I don't like you anymore and you're terrible right like Mm -hmm. okay dude Mm -hmm. like that was a really big switch in a very short amount of time and then he goes to bath the next day and then literally four weeks or less is now engaged to somebody else Mm -hmm. who has a lot of money
1: And that is the only thing that makes her different from Harriet, is that this woman has money. She has money, money, right? Yeah, that's literally it. So that's why I'm thinking Elton is the villain. There's something about Frank that I don't trust. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, the question that I also have is, are we supposed to be enjoying this book? I don't know, because I don't. (laughs) The first question I had was, am I supposed to like Emma? And I'm still kind of like on the fence about that. I don't know how I feel about Emma. But now I'm like, do I like Emma the book? Right. (laughs) And I know a lot of people really, really enjoy this book. This is her second most popular. This is Austin's second most popular book. Everybody loves it. Some people prefer it over Pride and Prejudice, which I don't understand. But that's not my point. So I might be pissing off a lot of people here by saying, but this book isn't that good so far. I don't get it. I feel like huge chunks could just be cut out and it would make it a much more interesting book.
0: I feel like. If this book were just the plotline of Clueless, it would be better.
1: (laughs) You know what? I agree. There are some things that I see that are done better here than there are with Clueless. And I'll talk about that a little bit more. Like when we eventually finish the book and we watch Clueless, then I'll have like immediate references like, oh, I think this was done better over here, blah, blah, blah. But I I just know there's certain things in here that I think would work better in this context than in Clueless. But... There are still huge chunks that I don't think need to be in here. And while it does, it's like world building stuff, but it's like.
0: Um, I don't need world building. But three pages about a leg of pork is not world building. That is not world building. It is if
1: you don't know how they used to. Cook it back then, because how do you cook your pork, Katrina? I don't do you just eat get it pork. from Aldi and just like th- flip it one side on one side of the pan, one side on the other?
0: I don't eat pork.
1: You eat bacon.
0: <laughs> I eat bacon, but that's Baconless different. Pork. That's different than like <laughs> a like a pork. Yeah, I don't know. I don't need three pages of it. I could have gotten by with a paragraph.
1: <laughs> Little did you know that that's actually a hidden recipe. No, um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's actually code. <laughs>
1: yeah (laughs) mr woodhouse is telling you okay well this is how you cook salted pork leg (laughs) it's like dude we order from doordash we don't need that shit No (laughs) need. we're good but yeah anyway so yeah but if you really enjoy this book i just want you guys to just message us on instagram or on twitter and just be like this is why i like the book no spoilers but just tell us why you really love this book like what about it Makes you fall in love with it. Because I want to know. I want to know what other people are seeing in this book that I'm not seeing. Because then maybe I'll start to see it. But again, no spoilers. We want zero spoilers. So.
0: Even though technically there are no spoilers in Austin. No, I know. I know. But, <laughs> but to be we fair. we really don't know. I don't know. We how, really don't know. I mean, know. we know. We We know what's going to happen at the end, basically. Like, we know, mm-hmm. like, the big, we know the big thing, but. How it gets there, we don't know. We don't yeah. know how it's going to get there. It doesn't seem like right. it's ever going to get there. Yeah.
1: So, like, don't sit here and tell me what Frank Churchill does that makes it to where I'm validated and thinking he's creepy. Or what he doesn't do to make Katrina be validated and the fact that he's not creepy. So, <laughs> <laughs> just don't just don't tell us that stuff. But, you know, like, we know about Knightley and Emma at the end. And we know some things about Harriet. And we know some things about... I think that's it off the top of my head. I
0: think that's it, because we so. didn't even know Jane Fairfax existed until a few weeks yeah. <laughs> ago.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I was out, I was thinking about Mr.
1: Mr. Elton, but I'm like, no, that happened. Like that's a thing. Like yeah, that, that was already done. Happened. That was the that was the first section of the book. But yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I think that's all we have for this week. Yes. So um before we go, I just want to give another shout out to the Well, Here We Are podcast, because they gave us our chapter breakdowns including the chapter breakdowns for this section. Um, They are a weekly podcast that explores pop culture, the humanities, and how they matter in daily life via a list of about three-ish things. Please check them out on Twitter and Instagram at WellHereWeArePod. And thank you guys again so much for helping us out. We desperately need it, and we really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Yes.
1: And we will see everybody else next time.
0: Bye. 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 Beyond Measure is hosted by me, Katrina Mayer, and me, Elle Kammerer. Our music was composed by Shane Ivers, and our artwork was created by the beautiful and talented Katie Keneally. You can find
1: us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website at witbeyondmeasure.com, or follow us on Instagram for all of our updates, memes, and just fun stuff. Our handle is at WBMpodcast. I'm going to say that again.
0: It's M podcast.